In John 15, 8, Jesus said to his followers, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So the big question is, how do we become true disciples of Jesus Christ who produce much fruit and bring great glory to the Father? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rod Nichols, and welcome to the True Disciple Podcast. Welcome to True Disciple. This is the first in a series of messages on being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Rod Nichols, and for the last 20 years I've held a number of ministry roles, including director of men's ministry at a large church. I've planted a couple of churches, I've been a pastor, senior pastor, associate pastor, a traveling teacher, and I'm also a published author. In this message, and those to come, I'm hoping to help the body of Christ come out from the comfort zone of the church walls and become true disciples of Jesus. Now these messages are going to be short, probably 10 to 20 minutes at most, and they'll be here on my website at truedisciple.info. On that site, you're also going to find all kinds of other messages, articles, great resources. So make sure you subscribe to our newsletter list, which is really a notification list, and check back often. Okay, let's get started. I find it interesting that Jesus had two times when there were likely 10 to 20,000 people listening to him speak, riveted to every word, watching him perform probably thousands of miracles, healing people, raising people from the dead. And yet, after Jesus' death and ascension, there were only 120 people in the upper room who received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. These were the true disciples. And in today's church, we have hundreds of thousands who attend services every weekend who are also not true disciples. So what's the difference? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in this message and those to come in this series. After Jesus was baptized by John, received the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days of testing, he emerged, and one day he was walking along the seashore, and he saw a couple of seasoned fishermen, Simon and his brother Andrew. He said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately set down their nets and followed him. Later, he met John and James. They were sitting in a boat with their father, also uh, probably longtime fishermen. He said the same thing to them, follow me. And they immediately left their father and their fishing business to follow Jesus. Later, Jesus approached Matthew, a much-hated tax collector, and said, follow me. And Matthew immediately rose, left his tax collector booth, and followed Jesus. Now, these accounts amaze me. I mean, think about it. Think about your own life. What if Jesus showed up at your work and said, follow me? What would you do? See, it's easy to see from these accounts that to be a true disciple, you have to willingly immediately follow Jesus at all cost. Peter and Andrew, James and John gave up their fishing businesses, probably long-time family businesses that had been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Matthew gave up a very lucrative tax business. And 
according to the accounts we see, they didn't ask, where are we going? What are we going to do? How long will we be gone? They didn't tell Jesus that they needed a little bit of time to be able to hang up these nets so they could dry and wouldn't ruin or talk to their father about the fact that they weren't going to be around for a while. They didn't say, I need to find somebody else to come into the tax collector booth and take care of that and make sure that the money is taken care of. They didn't say, could you give us a couple of more months so that we could sock away some money so it'll be a lot easier for us to follow you. No, they all stood up and immediately followed Jesus. In Matthew 16, 24, we hear Jesus speaking to the disciples and he's telling them, what it takes to be a true disciple. Here's what he says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So we can see from this scripture that there are three parts to this becoming a true disciple. The first was to deny themselves. Now this means to give up all of your personal wants and needs in favor of what Jesus wants and needs you to do. You've got to submit to his will over your own will. Now, for most people, because we live in kind of a self-focused, selfish world, this sounds awful. This sounds like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to do anything I want. I'm never going to get anything that I want or need. Uh, I'm just going to be doing Jesus' work all the time. Well, let me tell you that Jesus loves you, and he wants much better things for you than what you even want. And we can see from the accounting of the uh, relationship between Jesus and his disciples in the four Gospels that it wasn't a boring life by any means. They went to parties, uh, they traveled, they had fun, they laughed. It, It was a good time. They worked, but it was a good time. And so you don't have to worry about that, you know, this is going to be a terrible life or it's going to be a boring life because Jesus is going to make it exciting for you. But we do have to deny our flesh and our fleshly desires. And I want to talk about three of those here. There, there are a number of them, but there are three that are kind of big ones here in our society. They're big draws and they're things that can draw us away from a walk with Jesus. The first is the draw of money. And along with this draw of money also comes fame and reputation and um, prestige and and things like that. Now, first of all, I want to say there's nothing wrong with money. Money in itself is just a thing. But 2 Timothy 6.10 teaches us that for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money. Money's not evil. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it goes on to say, Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So it's clear to see that Jesus was teaching that uh, through through uh, the Apostle Paul in Second Timothy was teaching that that when we are drawn towards money, it pulls us away from our faith in Jesus. And it brings on all kinds of griefs. Now, it's interesting because I think so often people think, oh, to follow Jesus, then we have to be poor. It's holy to be poor. It, it, it is, uh, you know, that's the way Jesus and his disciples were. They were poor. But we see 
contrast to that in the in the Gospels in the sense that it, it says that there were uh, wealthy people who were following and giving into the ministry. We see that Judas Iscariot was the treasurer and he was stealing from the treasury and nobody but Jesus seemed to recognize that. So there must have been more than enough money there. So, so just following Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to be poor. There, there are many people who, who are true disciples of Jesus Christ who, who have money, who have uh, the nice things that money can bring. But the key here is not to allow money to become your focus. Jesus will provide the money according to how you can handle the money. So we can't love money and love Jesus at the same time. We've got to stay focused on Jesus focused on our love for Jesus, focused on doing his will, not our own, and he will provide for us. Now, the second area I want to talk about that is a a fleshly desire is sex. Because this has become so prevalent in our society. It's everywhere. Everywhere we go, we see sexual images and uh, in the movies, on TV and billboards and magazines. And and so it's it's a huge draw. And you can't be having sex outside of marriage and be considered as a true disciple. And this includes pornography because pornography is the, the looking at images and allowing our fleshly desires to be there. And it, it's, not, it's not part of what God designed as far as marriage. Sex was designed to be within a marriage of a man and a woman. It's the only way that it is acceptable to God. That's it. So keep your eyes on Jesus. If you're married, keep your eyes on your spouse and keep Jesus, keep God at the center of your marriage and you're going to be in good shape. If you're not married, then as Paul talked about, stay single if you can, but if if you are inflamed (laughs) with sexual desire, then find a spouse and get married. But don't have sex until you are married. Now, the third area is pride. And this is another huge area that can tear you away from Jesus because you can't seek fame. You can't seek fortune. You can't seek reputation. You, you can't uh, seek the, to have everyone know you when you're trying to be a true disciple of Jesus and get them to know him. That will draw you and them away from Jesus. So make sure again that you stay focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, not on yourselves. John the Baptist told his disciples that he must decrease and Jesus must increase. And that's the way it needs to be with us as well. We need to decrease and Jesus needs to increase. Now, the second part of Matthew 16, 24 is that we need to pick up our cross daily. Now, the cross always represents sacrifice. Jesus allowed himself to be nailed to a cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have right relationship with Father God. That's the type of sacrifice that is expected of a true disciple. Now, don't get me wrong, because you're not going to have to literally be crucified on a cross. 
but you must crucify your flesh daily. And this goes closely with what we talked about in the last one in denying ourselves. But it it goes into some different areas. Jesus told his disciples to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And yet that's the focus of the world. The focus of the world is self-development and making yourself better and having ambition, selfish ambition, and and being vain about your looks and the kind of car you drive and the, the type of house that you live in, the part of town that you live in, the kind of vacations that you take. But Jesus went on to say to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. He also taught them that if they wanted to be first in the kingdom of God, they must lower themselves to the lowest level servant. And then Jesus modeled this when he washed the disciples' feet. As a true disciple, we need to put aside our selfish ambitions and put everyone else first. Our family, our friends, our boss, our co-workers, yes, even the bad boss, even the bad co-workers, our neighbors, and anyone else that we come into contact with. We need to wash their feet. Not not literally. That wasn't what Jesus was teaching his disciples. He wasn't teaching them to run around and wash people's feet. He was teaching themselves to humble themselves because the servant that was there at the door to wash the feet of the guests when they came in was the lowest of the servants. You, it's, it's hard for us to grasp these days because we walk around in shoes, we walk around on concrete, but these people walked around in sandals on dirt and muddy roads filled with animal excrement. So you can imagine how dirty, how gnarly, how smelly these feet were that this servant had to clean when the guests came in. And here was Jesus, the Son of God in in the form of a man here on earth, stooping down and washing the disciples' feet, becoming the lowest of servants. And he said to go and do the same thing. Go and be a servant to everyone else. Go into each day looking to serve the wants and needs of others without thought of any personal gain. Finally, part three of this scripture is to actually follow Jesus. You see, unlike the true disciples who could see Jesus, those original disciples, we must be led by his word and the Holy Spirit who lives in every believer. And if you are not a believer, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, make sure you go to truedisciple.info, or if you're already on the site, look down below the messages on the front page, and you'll find a label that says, The Message. And there's a great little video in there that will explain the salvation message and give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior and make him Lord of your life. Because if you haven't done that, and none of the rest of this really matters, you can't be a true disciple without being born again, without being saved. 
So as a true believer, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you need to listen for that still small voice of the Spirit saying, go this way, go that way, stop, stand still, wait, talk to that person over there, go here, go there. Now, he may call you to do some big things. He may call you to go on a a mission trip to some third world country where you could change the lives of thousands of people. Or perhaps he might call you to minister to gang members in the inner city and see many of them saved and transformed. Maybe he wants you to provide food and clothing for those in need or help the homeless find some sort of shelter. Maybe he wants you to be a part of the foster children program and and bring children who don't have a good home situation or don't have any parents into your home. Or he may just call you to do some very simple things. We don't know. But following Jesus can be very messy. And you should count the costs before you agree to follow him and become a true disciple. You see, many of those who started following Jesus when he walked this earth fell away. And only the true disciples remained. And their lives were changed forever. And they changed the history of the world. And we now have the opportunity to have a a redeemed relationship with Father God through Jesus to have the Holy Spirit living in us to walk out this life in the Spirit and then live for the rest of eternity with God and with all of the other believers in heaven. It's amazing what those first true disciples accomplished and now we have the opportunity to be the true disciples of our age. So my question to you is, are you ready? Are you ready to follow Jesus? Are you ready to be a true disciple? Are you ready to see your life change forever? Are you ready to change your family and change your community and have an impact and create a Jesus legacy for your life? Well, that's it for the week. Make sure you tune in next week for message number two.